Hey, Connection Point Church, I'm so excited to be back here worshiping every Sunday with y'all. And before we begin the message today, I do want to uh, just give a special uh, um, prayer for Bob Williams, Joey's father. Um, you know, Joey has done so much great work of preparing um, us today. Joey's not in the studio today, but yet he has led so well that we are able to to have no hitches and we've been able to, to carry on our live services. But right now his, his dad is sick in the hospital, and so I'm going to say a word of prayer for Bob Williams, as we, um, as we uh, begin this, uh, this service. So let's pray. Lord, right now, I just pray for Bob Williams. I pray that you will just strengthen his body, Lord. I pray that you will give him uh, just energy today and that he will recover very quickly, Lord. I pray that you'll give peace to the Williams family as they are praying for him, Lord. And I just pray as a church, as Connection Point Church, and all of those that are watching this right now, Lord, I just pray that we will unify together, lift up Bob in prayer. And Lord, we just pray that your holy uh, spirit will right now just give Bob an extra ounce of 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 encouragement in his spirit, and he'll just have a uh, more strength. Lord, we pray you as the great healer, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus that you will just heal uh, Bob's body today, Lord. We just pray that you will, will work in this situation. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. I really have uh, been excited that we've been able to continue this series because this series to me is just so well-timed. We've been going through training days, looking through the letter that Peter wrote to the early church, telling them basically how do they live out of faith where they don't just kind of curl up in a culture that is, seems to be coming at them, and it's a challenging culture, it's a challenging world for them. How do they live their faith in Christ so that they can impact the world? And so that's really what First Peter is about. And, and what we want to happen as we go through this series called Training Days is we want to make sure as the church, as the people of God, we want to make sure that we are taking ground, that we are doing what God called us to do, that we are not curling back and waiting for things to end or to get better or to get easier. But instead, we want to make sure that we are living our lives boldly and that we are taking every single day as a training day, preparing our day today so that when the day comes that we are needed, the day comes that we need to, to make a stand or to, to, take a, to take ground, that we are ready and prepared to do that. And so today I want to start off just by reminiscing on a, a man who really made an impact in this country. Uh, John Lewis, had, uh, was, um, his funeral was yesterday. And if you don't know who John Lewis was, he, he was uh, he's a really Im impactful man in this country. I started reading about John Lewis a few years ago, and I started studying his life, specifically um, the Nashville sit-ins, just for some reason caught my attention, and I was just so impressed by the preparation that, uh, that John Lewis and some other men and women did to really change the culture of Nashville, Tennessee, and eventually the entire United States through these peaceful protests. And John Lewis uh, had an interview, and I want to read you just an excerpt of this interview uh, from a few years back. He was talking about preparing for that day when they were going to have to sit down and, um, and, and have a sit-in in a whites-only Woolworths, I believe it was. And this is what it said. He said, two or three times a week, we would go and we would sit in. And on that particular day, it must have been a leap year because it was uh, February 29th, 1960, I think. He said, it was a Saturday morning and we met in Kelly's church and Will Campbell came to the meeting to tell us he had received some information 
that the police officials were going to have us arrested and that all types of violence would be allowed to occur. Kelly came to the church and warned that there would be violence. But we had uh, said we had wanted to go. We were afraid and we felt that we had to bear witness. So Jim Lawson and some of the others that were sympathetic, they felt if we wanted to go that we should. He said, it was my responsibility to print some rules, some of the do's and don'ts of what the group would do during the sit-in. Some of the do's, do sit up straight. Don't look back. If someone hits you, smile. Things like that. And at the end, it said something like this. Remember the teachings of Jesus Christ, of Gandhi, uh, of Martin Luther King. He said, and may God be with you. See, John Lewis uh, knew something that, that I believe as well, and that is this. That you can conquer lands with violence, but you cannot conquer hearts with violence. You can conquer lands with violence, but you cannot conquer a culture. You cannot change hearts with violence. You have to use peaceful, quiet subversion. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And to me, this is one of the most countercultural messages, but it's going to be cloaked in, in, in just ordinary, mundane kind of topics. In fact, you might even tune out when you just kind of see uh, uh, they're talking about this because the context is marriage. The context is a marriage relationship. But what we're really talking about today is we're talking about how do you change the culture of an unchristian environment? How do you change the culture of a marriage that is not for God? And you know, if we can apply these principles to our, our marriages and to our families, we can also apply them to the entire world. Now, I, I want to go back and just recap just a little bit on what we've been talking with, about. We've really been talking about, First Peter, how do we turn a culture to Jesus? We've said some things like this. The first week we said, we want to win people not arguments. We want to win people, not argument. We're not trying to, to convince everybody and to yell at people that we think are wrong. We want to win the hearts of people. The second thing we said is we want to honor everybody. We said this last week. We want to honor everybody. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we can't be subversive, but we don't want to be rebellious. And that's why the, the third thing we've talked about is we should submit to authority. And this is a very, very challenging thing for us. But today we're going to dive into this a little bit as well. We should, we should be radical forgivers, radical lovers of God, so much so that it seems subversive. But we don't want to be rebellious. We want to make sure that we submit to authorities. This is a countercultural idea we're going to dig into today. But the most important thing we need to remember is that every chapter of 1 Peter ends with the gospel. It ends with Jesus Christ doing what we can't do. It ends with Jesus submitting to authorities and Jesus honoring people by giving up his life so that you and I could have a relationship with God. He was the most subversive man to ever live, Jesus was. And he did it through peaceful, quiet submission. But it was so countercultural, and it stood out above the chaos of the world. And so today we're going to talk about how do we win the hearts of people? How do we win people's hearts? Okay, and here's what I want you to know. We win people's hearts from the inside, not the outside. We win hearts from the inside. You need to know that. 
Whenever we're yelling or fighting, or, or even when we protest, we're trying to take ground, but we're never going to win hearts that way. You win hearts from the inside not the outside. And so today we're going to look simply at two tools that you have that can change the culture of your family. It can change the culture of your workplace. It can change the culture of any institution if you will simply see it through. And it is countercultural, but you may be tempted to, to write it off and say that would never work. But we've seen it work. And the first tool I want to give you is this. It's the tool of submission. The tool of submission. You see, submission is a tool for the strong, not the weak. Submission is a tool of the strong, not the weak. When you hear that word submission, you're like, hey, I will never submit. I'm a strong man or I'm a strong woman. And, And the truth is that the strongest people are people who have the power to submit. It is a tool for the strong. Let's go to 1 Peter and let's read the text. And I'm going to read a a chunk of it to give you some context of what we're talking about today. And then we'll dive into this word, submission. 1 Peter chapter 1. Likewise. You hear that word, likewise? It means one thing. It means that we're continuing the same thought that we were talking about. Oh, I just uh, screwed that up. Sorry. It means that that we want to... Uh, let me try that again. I want to I wanna highlight. There we go. Thank you. We got people in there that are, are fixing my mistakes. Now, when we see that word likewise, it, it's connecting the, the last chapter. And what it's connecting for us is that there's a power dynamic at play. Okay, so he's talking about when you're in an unequal power dynamic. We've been talking about submission to authorities, even submission from slaves to masters was in uh, chapter two. And so whenever there's a power dynamic, how do we live in that culture? So he says, likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives, when they see your respect and pure conduct. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and the adorning uh, may be hidden. uh, Excuse me. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of your hair and putting on, the gold, uh, putting on of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauties of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. For this is how the holy women hoped in God, used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands and as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. As you are her children, if you do good and you do not fear anything that is frightening. Okay, so remember that likewise, if we go back to verse 1, I want to, to kind of talk about this idea of being submission. So it says here, likewise, be subject. And anytime, you, if you've uh, been around, anytime you see this word, be subject, or some would say, be in submission, as Christians or as just humans, We kind of rebel. We don't really like that idea of submission. But I want to point out some things about this verse before we get into what it means to be subject to someone. The first thing I want you to see is that this is not a Christian marriage. Peter is not talking about two believers who are married. He's talking about a marriage in which the husband does not obey the Lord, does not follow Jesus. He is not a Christian. So really what he's talking to is he's talking to wives who want to win their husbands to the Lord. So this could apply anytime you're trying to win somebody's heart to the Lord. 
And what he says is, there are a lot of ways you can go about this. You could, you know, go to the Ulta store and you could braid your, your, your hair and all of these things. And, and you could try to win him to you. But Peter said, we're going to try to win him to Jesus. We're going to win. And so we're not going to go that route of adorning ourselves. He's not saying you can't braid your hair or wear makeup or anything. But he's saying, we're not going to try to woo our husbands just physically. We're going to try to woo, the, woo our husbands who are far from God by, by loving them in a higher way. And that is through submission. And this word submission, it's hupotasso, and it is a Greek word. And it means to voluntarily give in to voluntarily give in, or it means cooperation. And so you need to understand that anytime we see Peter, or even in some of the the other books, Paul, the Apostle Paul, whenever they talk about submission, they always have these phrases that kind of couch it. They'll say things like, in the Lord, or unto the Lord, or it is the will of God, or to the will of God. And and, in chapter 2, when we talked about submission to authority, it says, uh, submit in the will of God. Or as to the will of God. Paul, when he's talking in Ephesians, he says, submit as to unto the Lord when he talks about believers in marriage. And so we need to understand submission is a voluntary action. It is an action that we do out of our strength. But because it's voluntary in the Lord, there are some certain times that we don't want to submit. So he's not calling a woman to violate scripture, for example. He's not calling a a wife that just to, hey, whatever your husband says, even if it it would compromise your own relationship with God, he's not calling her to submit in that. He's calling her to cooperate with her husband in the Lord. And so uh, if if it was going to enable her husband to sin, that would not be something that she should submit to. If it was going to endanger her children, or it's not a call for her to endure abuse, You see, submission is a call in which we live out our faith in such a powerful way that people take notice. And so what he's calling her to do is he's calling her, hey, when your husband has dreams and he's far from God, rather than being a hindrance and always yelling at him, there are several things about the first verse in um, in verse 1. It says, if they do not obey the word. So the idea is that he's already, she's already preached to him, okay? She's, he's heard it, he's just not obeying. So she's probably preached a few times. Peter's saying, don't keep nagging. Don't, don't every Sunday say, why don't you go to church? Or why aren't you watching church with me online? Instead, if you've preached to him and you've tried to get him to come to church, rather than that, you basically want to go to a wordless sermon, Okay? Start by trying to preach the word, but if, he, if it's not working, then just begin to try to win them simply by your conduct. And so that's the idea of submission, is that we love someone so much we're willing to, to go along and, and empower them by cooperating with them. Now, here's the thing. As Texans, this kind of, there's a tension if you're a Texan and a Christian, because Texans, and really any uh, American, and I know other cultures as well, have, there's, some, there's just something about us. We want to be a little rebellious. We want our freedom. We want to take a stand. And the idea of submitting seems like weakness. And so I just want to acknowledge that, but understand that submission is really how we thrive. In fact, when you think about the kingdom of heaven, where eventually we all want to be with God uh, for eternity, understand that's not freedom from authority. That's full submission to authority. We're going to be fully submitted to God, and we're going to find freedom in that. 
I think about my own family. You know, my family submits to me, my wife, she submits to me, and, and, and so does my family to me. But understand, there's a high calling for that. It's not one in which I press, it's one in which I have to now provide everything I can for them because they are underneath my authority. All of a sudden, that puts responsibility on me. And that's why I'm going to make sure I care for them, I love them, all that. That is the responsibility in an equally yoked marriage. And so when it's not that way, we want to, as as believers trying to win an unbeliever, we have to understand the power of submitting to the authority of a husband. Now, just to remind us, though, this is not talking about a Christian marriage. In a Christian marriage, it says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, that we should submit to one another as to the Lord. And in a Christian marriage where both partners are Christ's followers, we want to make sure that we're both submitting, but it looks different. Wives submit to their husbands, but husbands, when we submit, it means that, that we need to be willing to die for, to give up our very lives for our wives. There's a high calling in an equal marriage. But one of the reasons that the Bible is so cautious about Christ followers not uh, marrying people that are not other Christians is because it's really hard for a non-Christian to understand you if you're a Christ follower. Until they understand your devotion to Christ, it's going to be hard to have a connection. And so Peter, as he's giving this advice to, to the, the wives that are with husbands far from them, his advice is if you will submit to them, it will eventually lead them to see how good Jesus really is. So submission is a powerful tool. The second tool I want to show you, though, is the tool of honor. Honor is a tool of strength. Honor is a tool of the strong, not the weak. Now, there was a little pushback in our hearts last week when we talked about honor everybody. Honor the, the emperor is what the Bible said. We would say honor the president. And we get a lot of pushback when it's the idea of, oh, I don't know if I can honor the, the president. I don't know if I want to honor. But understand what honor is. Honor is when we pray for and encourage the best in someone. Honor is when we pray for or encourage the best in someone. The opposite would be contempt. Contempt is when I criticize and I look for the worst in someone. And so instead of being someone who is, is contemptive and someone who is always criticizing, think about a spouse who's always criticizing. We want to be someone who is always building up. We want to honor people. Honor is a position of strength. You know, there was a time in my ministry, early on, I was serving for another church. And this church, the pastor began to, to enter into a sinful lifestyle. And in that, I got caught up in that, and I began to get pushed out, unfairly get pushed out of this church. And my wife and I would have these hard conversations uh, when we were going through it. And we decided, you know what, we're not going to badmouth the situation. We're not going to... to uh, tell our side, we are going to honor this church, and we, we are going to bow out gracefully. And, and a few years later, that church came back to us, and they apologized, and, and they actually, we have a great relationship with that church and many people in it. And, and God really showed us that there was, even though it was hard, even though I, I just, so much of me wanted to criticize and complain, by showing honor, God eventually rewarded that. And we also now have a great relationship with that church that we served with. And many of the people, relationships weren't broken that could have been broken had we chosen not to honor. And so when we talk about honor, it's a very powerful thing. 
We're going to go to verse 7, and I want to show you what, uh, what Peter tells us to do. And he's going to change the context a little bit. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, there are several things I want to show you about this. Showing honor is the command. Now, we need to understand that the context has changed from the previous six verses. No longer are we talking about an unequal marriage. Now we're talking about a marriage in which the husband is engaged. How do we know that? Because he's addressing husbands, and if you are not a Christ follower, if you are not someone who goes to church, you would not be hearing this. So he's talking now to husbands who are following Christ, and they're going to, not only is their wife submitting to them, but they're also submitting to their wives, and they're in a healthy, hopefully, marriage. He says, husbands, you need to show honor to your wife. You need to show honor. And what's interesting is right now we live in a culture of dishonor. We, have, we live in a, a culture that is complaining about a lot of things, criticizing every fault that every person, whether it's a person that is leading us today or whether it's a person from 200 years ago, everybody is getting criticized right now. One of the most subversive things, one of the most countercultural things we can do as Christ followers is just be people of honor. You know, Christians are different than the culture. We should look different. Christians embrace honor. Christians embrace honor. We honor those above us in authority over us. That was in chapter 2. And now he's showing us we also, those that are under us, those that we have authority over, we're going to honor them as well. So we honor those above us and we honor those below us. Now, what do I mean by those below us? Okay, I could probably get myself in some some word, some, some trouble with that word right there. So let me just show you uh, this idea right here of weaker vessel. Women, I don't know if this is news to you, and this is probably something that a lot of people might try to cancel this idea, but I'm just going to tell you, men are stronger than women. Did y'all know that? Now, you may not, you may, uh, I could be getting in trouble right here, okay? But Peter is just speaking the obvious, He's saying, listen, if you are in a Christian marriage, he says you need to show honor to your wife because even though she is weaker than you, she is not as strong. If I arm wrestled my wife a hundred times, I'm telling you, I could beat my wife in an arm wrestling match a hundred out of a hundred times. I'm stronger than she is. But you've got to understand in the context that Peter is talking to, There were many men who weren't Christians, and those men would try to domineer their wife. They would would often use by physical intimidation of their wives. And Peter is saying, hey, in a Christian marriage, men, we're not going to lead like that. We're going to show honor to our wives, even though you could physically intimidate her, even though you have uh, physical strength over her, and you could do that. You're not going to do that. Instead, you're going to know that they are heirs with you, that you are equal to your wife in Christ. This is a very freeing verse, empowering verse for women, because he's saying, even though men could be physically stronger and use that to abuse their wives, he's saying, instead, what we're going to do is we're going to honor them as equals in the grace of life, okay? This is a powerful, powerful idea for men in our marriage to understand how we're going to honor people. But what I want you to to think about with this is there is a very, very, should be sobering idea 
at the end here. It says, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, men, we need to take this serious, but all Christians should understand this, that anytime there's a power dynamic and you have authority over someone, so men, that we could dominate our wives physically, look at what he says. He says, anyone who does not honor, but instead the, the context would be abuses. Anyone who is showing abuse for their spouse, he says, God will not hear your prayers. Now, it says may not, but he's saying basically if you, if you do this, God's not going to hear your prayers. Your prayers will be hindered. Your connection to God will be hindered. If you want to see what makes God the most mad, then look at what God does when somebody abuses authority. You know, I preached a, a message on this a few years ago about how um, God <laughs> treated the Amalekites. Now, this is, I'm sure y'all all loved my Amalekite sermon. It's one of my best, don't you think? My wife's nodding. Now, one of the things about that sermon, though, is we see that the Amalekites abused Israel when they were at their weakest. And God, he gave the strongest condemn, condemning statements towards the Amalekites because of what they did when they had power over someone. So men, if you are abusing and abusing someone is not a power of strength. We abuse out of weakness. We abuse when we have low self-esteem. We abuse when we are poor leaders. Abuse is, a, is not something from strength. He says, if you are abusing your wife or your children using physical intimidation, you're going to be treated as a non-believer. In other words, you're not going to be someone that God says, hey, let me reward you. You are going to hinder your relationship with God. God is not going to hear our prayers when we are abusing those who we have authority over. So not just parents, not just spouses, but even employers, we could take this principle. This is a, a powerful thing to show honor to those who we have authority over or we have strength and power over. Now, just to drive this home, I was thinking about this. Now, as many of y'all know, I have the most beautiful daughter that was ever created in the history of the world. Her name is Annie. And someday Annie is going to, to grow up, and she may decide to get married. She may get married. And if she gets married, and, and her husband comes to me, and he and I know his heart. I know that he has been honoring my daughter. If, if Annie's husband come and comes to me, and he asks anything of me, if he needs help with a down payment on a house or a car or anything I can do, if, if Annie's husband is honoring her, I'm going to do everything I can do to help him. I'm going to do everything I can to make his dreams come true. Now, if Annie's husband comes to me someday, and I know that he does not honor my daughter, he does not honor her, honor her in the way that he lives, I am not going to help him. In fact, I may hinder him. I may even hurt him if, if we're being real. That's where we'll, we'll, we'll move into the Joel Jitsu. Uh, that's, that's where it's going to get real, okay? It, I'm going to do everything I can do to hinder, to hinder him if he is not honoring my daughter. And so this is what we need to understand, men. Your wife, before she was your wife, was God's daughter, was his daughter. Every single person is a child of God, and before they were under our authority, they were his child. And any time that we abuse somebody in this world, we are abusing a child of God, and God will not hear our prayers. We need to be very, very cautious when we have authority over people. We want to honor them and not abuse them. Okay, so 
just to, to recap, I know this is a very simple message, but so many times this week, you're going to either have somebody in authority over you or in authority under you. And there are two things you can do to win them, their hearts to the Lord, to show them who Jesus really is. The first thing you can do is submit to that authority and just say, I'm not going to be rebellious at every turn. I'm going to instead honor. And by honoring, I'm going to speak life. I'm going to pray for and encourage the best things. And I'm not going to criticize and complain about their worst traits. We're going to be people that build up. And in this culture, that is the most subversive. That is the most countercultural idea that I can possibly think of. Now, as, as I close, I just want to go back to uh, the, or I want to go forward to the end of this chapter to verse 18. This is what verse 18, and remember, it always ends, each chapter in 1 Peter ends with the gospel. Because it reminds us of why we do what we do. It says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So remember, when we suffer for Christ, when we submit to authorities that may be unjust or may not be following God, we do so out of the example of Christ who did it for us. As even though he submitted to those who were unrighteous, he made us righteous and he brought us to God. The number one thing we can do with our lives is submit our lives to God. And when we do that, we're going to be living a life under authority. But it's going to give us the power through the Holy Spirit to submit to those who we are called to submit and to honor those that we are called to honor. Remember, we're called to honor everyone, and especially men. We want to honor our wives and our children as we lead them. As we close today, I just want to give you this one last statement. If we want to win hearts to Jesus, we should strive to win, to live quiet, peaceful lives with joy in the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for this message. And even though it's simple, it is difficult. It is not easy. Lord, as we have men and women who are going to be going to work this week, Lord, if they're under a, a boss that is, a, that is very hard to deal with, Lord, I pray that you'll give them a heart of submission, that they will build up that boss to a way in which that boss begins to see their value and begins to see the hope they have in Jesus. Lord, as uh, we uh, are, are locked down in our houses and as husbands and wives and marriages uh, may be feeling tension and relationships with our kids may be feeling tension. Lord, I, I pray it first of all as men that we will honor our children and honor our wives and we will lead them as equals in the faith and we'll do everything we can do to build them up. And Lord, as our, our children and our wives, as we uh, pray also that they will have the strength to, to honor their husbands, and honor the family, Lord. Lord, I pray that as every Christ follower hearing this right now, that we will live lives countercultural in, in a world that is yelling and shouting and protesting everything and criticizing everything, tearing down everything. We will be people who are known as builders. We are building up. We are encouraging the best of people. We are praying for those that may be falling short now, but we are praying with hope that you will work. Lord, I pray that we will live countercultural lives, and it will start in this moment. This is the training days. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.